Hi, I'm Michael Hotard, creator of the Hotard Huddle and host of this awesome pod. In today's world of disinformation and misinformation, what if I told you there's an easy way to be informed about where you spend your money? Cluey Consumer. Download Cluey Consumer in the App Store or visit their website, clueyconsumer.com. Cluey can help you be an informed and conscious consumer. The app allows you to search for brands that you buy from every single day. The best part, it's totally free. The creators of Cluey Consumer hope to one day cover every purchase and every social, environmental, and political impact of those purchases. For example, my family frequently shops at Publix. With Cluey, I know that 73% of Publix political ad campaign spending goes to Republicans. The app doesn't have bias. It doesn't tell you how or where to purchase goods from. It just allows you to see exactly where that dollar could be going. Download Cluey Consumer today for free and become a more informed consumer. That's Cluey Consumer, C-L-U-E-Y Consumer. And again, totally free in the App Store. For more information, visit ClueyConsumer.com. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in for the Hotsard Huddle podcast presented by HotsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fans. You are now Inside the Huddle. Bringing in Michael Hotard back here for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. Um, you know, last episode I had one of my friends on who is a uh, massive wrestling fan. So we talked a lot of wrestling. We're back with the same topic. Um, coming from Wildcat Sports is uh, my good friend Chuck Devine. I'm excited to have him on. You know, uh, Chuck does a lot of great work as a heel. Uh, within Wildcat. So we're going to talk about how he got his start in wrestling, um, kind of where his career has taken him, goals, you know, influences, all those great things as we sit down with Chuck here. Um, but before we get into that, let's hear a message from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Cheers for Ears. No Disney trip or Disney theme party is complete without your very own character customized Mickey ears. That's right. Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and will use them for our trips here on out. Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or HotardHuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with Cheers for Ears. 
Michael Hotard back here, sitting alongside my man, Chuck Devine. Chuck, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm super excited to get to talk to you. Um, I know the wrestling schedule has probably been a nightmare as of late because of all things COVID seeming to take over everyone's life right now. Um, but uh, overall, how's everything been going? Have y'all done any shows since uh, since COVID? Well, uh, first, yeah, I've been good, you know, um, just trying to stay positive and, and, and do what we can. Uh, as far as like strictly wrestling goes here in Louisiana, no, you know, th th there's been no wrestling. Uh, just, you know, there's, there's no live wrestling coming to Louisiana this year. And, and that's how it's going to be. Uh, we've continued training, um, and tried to be, you know, strictly regimented as we can be with that. Yeah. But no, there's, yeah. there's, not, there's been shows in places like Florida and Texas, you know, other places, uh, California's had shows. And I think they're shut down again. So and a lot of places kind of flip flop back and forth. Uh, and that's been hard to balance like a road schedule because you get booked, then it gets canceled before you get there. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, a, and so, you know, me, I think a lot of other people have just been like, you know what, we're going to, wait until this actually kind of gets better and things seem a little, a little more normal. For sure, man. It's dude, it's tough for everybody. You know, I, uh, right before, um, when you and I had first talked about doing this, I know y'all had a big show planned, uh, for yeah. around the middle of the year and that pretty much got pushed back, which is why we held off doing this for as long as we did. Uh, because I know our, our, the game plan was to kind of bring you on so we could plug that, um, but yeah, right. man, it's rough, but, uh, you know, uh, on the bright side, at least you guys are still able to train together. At least you're still able to get some work in the ring and to avoid the quote unquote ring rust, so to speak. Um, right. but, uh, you know, as, as far as uh, wildcat goes, you know, let's, let's dive into the skinny of this. So I, I teased this in the intro, um, just to kind of share my own personal experience, uh, seeing you for the first time, I actually went to a show at Butch Dewey. Um, the first show y'all did there actually. And that was my first experience with Wildcat. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Edgar and Stone was someone I was excited to see. He was really yeah. one of the few that I knew <laughs> because I know him personally. Um, right. But, of course, I, I knew about Luke and some of the other guys. Um, but you actually kind of caught my attention at that show. Uh, because I've I've told you this before. I'm such a sucker for heels. I, I just love a good heel character. And like from the entrance to the way you were in the ring, I was hanging out with one of my buddies who is a big uh, fan of Wildcat, my buddy Dave. And uh, I was sitting front row and I'm just like, yeah, who's, who's this fucking guy? He's smug. I like it. Um, <laughs> And he was like, yeah, tell me about good old Chuck Devine. So let's kind of talk about that character. You know, what's uh, – tell me some of the best parts about your character and how it sort of developed. Uh, well, I'm exactly the same way. I I've wanted to be a pro wrestler, specifically a heel, since I was like five. You know, <laughs> and I, I grew up like, you know, watching the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, and I wanted to be like that. Like it would make my parents mad. They were like, why, why is this child want to like spit on the American flag and like make everyone mad? I, I just, but I loved it. Um, 
as far as Chuck Devine goes, I, I really, really influenced a lot by the Nasty Boys. I really wanted to uh, kind of bring that grittiness, but also bring this sort of like a, almost like a stuck up college boy sort of snooty attitude <laughs> with it too, uh, and kind of mix those together, which, uh, well, it's a matter of opinion as to whether or not I pull it off or not. <laughs> I, I think I do pretty good, you know. No, for sure, man. Like I said, I was I was immediately drawn to it, and then when uh, I was talking to uh, um, good old uh, Edgar and Stone on the last podcast, you know, afterwards I had asked him, I was like, "Dude, who's some other guys from Wildcat you can throw my way?" Your name got brought up, and I instantly I was like, "Oh, fucking right, dude!" Like I I enjoyed <laughs> watching him, so. Um, no, that's really awesome. Uh, the the name drops of uh, Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, the Nasty Boys. Uh, you know, Iron Sheik was a little bit before uh, my time, before I got into wrestling, but obviously he's a legend in his own right. So most wrestling fans should know who the hell that is. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, go do that. <laughs> do yourself a fucking favor. But um, oh, that's hours of fun watching. Oh just God, reading all dude. of those posts are great. Absolutely no filter whatsoever. Um, All caps, yeah. That's how he was in the ring. That's how he was. Um, Oh, yeah. And then uh, you mentioned the Nasty Boys. uh, Good old Nasty Brian Knobs. That's one of my, I guess, earliest memories of wrestling back in WCW. um, Because I was always a big fan of Pity City. You know, his move where he would (laughs) grab someone's head and just shove it in the armpit. That was before, of course, I knew what the hell the stink face was with uh, Rikishi. But again, putting people's faces in bodily parts that they shouldn't go in, if you want to get yourself <laughs> over as a heel, I mean, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not a lot of guys utilize stuff like that uh, anymore. But it's a. Uh, yeah, it gets a real visceral reaction from the crowd. <laughs> 100%. Anytime you kind of take that nasty route, 100%, it'll freaking stoke the fire a little bit. But but uh, um, I guess talking about the name Chuck Devine, you know, was this something you came up with? Was it something that got suggested to you? How did this all come to fruition? Well, I mean, Chuck's my name. So, uh, so I went with that. Um, and for me, I kind of wanted there, that to be like, you know, my shoot name, be, be, be my wrestling name too. Uh, Divine, of course, being from like the area, like I wanted to keep it kind of Cajun, you know, keep it like Southeastern Louisiana and also have that double entendre there too. People say, Oh, he's divine. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> and it's and funny. People... I, I guess with your, with your gimmick and your character too, um, you are divine, but again, you can kind of see the influence from, you know, the nasty boys and stuff like that too. Cause when I think when you think, I, I feel like when people think divine, it's more, it's more elegance. And right. with you, it's not so much elegance as it is just this nasty, just brutal side. So I think it's a, it's a good name. It's a catchy name and it kind of, has that double meaning, so to speak. So, uh, you know, uh, of course, that's that's a great name. And, I mean, I guess, um, you know, you mentioned you always wanted to be a heel since you were five. So Always, always. What, I, I guess for you, um, being a heel, I mean, you and I have had conversations about this, but let's unpack that a little bit. You know, what's, what draws you to being a heel versus being a face? Um, 
<clears throat> a, I just, I always liked the heels because I thought they were, I guess, a little more larger than life than, than the baby faces, you know, except for guys, I mean, Hulk Hogan, of course, was like mm -hmm. way above. Um, I always kind of, uh, I've always been a loner as a kid. Um, and I always, like, I remember, like, listening to uh, Jesse Ventura give commentary when I was young. And I, he kind of, like, convinced me a lot of times that it, it was the heels who were actually right. It was, it was the heels who were actually being slighted. And it's these baby faces who are privileged and get away with everything. And everyone sympathizes with them because they're popular. And you can kind of relate that to real life, you know, because we all, we've all, interacted with people like that. We have seen, you know, privileged um, people getting ahead when they don't deserve it, right? And so it makes you mad. Um, and so I kind of wanted to like put that into my character too. And so you, you can like relate that to modern society and with like, with wrestling too. Um, so yeah, it, it's, um, How do I say this? <clears throat> Part of the dead air. It's like, it's, it's, you know, the correlation's right there. It's, you can sympathize with the double a little bit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and, for sure. And that's all I can well, I, I think with kind of that loner feeling, um, and again, I've told you this, and I've already said it on here multiple times, um, you know, I think every kid who watches wrestling they grow up fantasizing about becoming a professional wrestler. Um, and I, I even wrote this in one of my previous uh, blogs that I just did um, talking about 10 things that I, I can't live without. And I use the term can't loosely there, but um, I mentioned wrestling and, you know, it was a boyhood dream. And even at 29, I'm still, there's still days I'm like, Oh man, how cool would it be to become a wrestler? Even though at this point it's, pretty much not going to happen for me, but, uh, you know, it, for me, I kind of take the fantasy of being a heel and apply that to how I run my blog, how I am, how I interact with my friends a lot of times, like, especially in things like fantasy football, trivial things like that. Like, you know, wrestling captivates people in such a way that it really can't be described. And that's why, I think people who grow up watching it just become so enamored with it, so tied into all the things that come with wrestling. And, you know, it's funny how I guess people like you and me, it sounds like you and I kind of grew up similar. Like there's probably a little bit of that chip on our shoulder um, growing up and you kind of take that into your character. So I think that's a really cool element there. Um, so, you know, I, I guess growing up for you, what were some of the some of the things you kind of fantasized about, you know, if and when this became a reality for you as far as your character goes? You know, what's some of the things that you always thought about as a kid, just like, oh, man, I'm going to do this? Uh, I always wanted to be like Jake the Snake. Um, <laughs> he, he, he's one of my biggest... Uh, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, big influence uh, on my ring style also. Um, but I loved how uh, like calm he was all the time. Mm -hmm. And he always seemed like he was in control. And I always kind of 
wanted that. I was like, I, I was wanted to be a wrestler who was smart and like conniving and like always a step ahead. Um, other than that, you know, I, always, I really liked the Nasty Boys just because they were so rough. They were so tough. They were loud and they just beat people up. And I like that too. Well, what's interesting about Jake the Snake and uh, you mentioned kind of, you know, his, how calm, cool, collected he was as a heel. And he's one of the gimmicks that I think had, or he perfected that gimmick because with him being a snake, you know, there's this very sneaky element to them and he was, he's still sneaky. You know, one of the cool things, I guess for me, just because I didn't grow up with guys like Jake the Snake um, is seeing him manage uh, the Murder Hawk in AEW now. Um, mm. And one of the things I've I've always seen with Jake the Snake was his ability to cut a promo. He's always been a great talker. Um, so I guess seeing that now in real time as a manager, it, it's cool to see. It's cool to see a, some of these older guys come back and kind of have a mainstay in the limelight in 2020 um, with in the mainstream. So um, I guess for you and, you know, again, based on the experience I've seen watching you, you know, there was that very kind of calm, cool and conniving sense to your character, you know, cause I think the match you had at Butch Dewey, if I'm not mistaken, that was a six man tag, wasn't it? I remember that one. Yeah. 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 So the first, yeah, that was the match I saw. I, I remember you. Uh, having the six-man tag. I don't remember who was in it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think you guys faced a couple of dudes who came out to uh, Larger Than Life from Backstreet Boys, if I'm correct on that. And then here comes you coming out, just this smug, like, ah, eh, fuck you guys. I'm going to pound you into the ground, and I'm going to feel great doing it. So, um, But with that character and, you know, as far as your entering style goes, you know, what's some of the – What's some of the elements you like to bring into the ring itself with your character? I mean, are you are you one that likes to kind of showboat as you're doing the moves? Kind of how, I guess, Jake the Snake did with his DDT because it always signaled he was calling for it. And then he'd just kind of flex at the crowd a little bit before dropping someone on their head. So what's some of those takeaways that you bring into your style? Um, not a big showboater, but I do like to... Uh, let the crowd know how to feel. So I, I always like pulling them and getting the crowd as involved in the match as I can. Um, because, and frankly, I don't even really like to do a lot of moves. Um, you know, I like to keep things real basic, real simple, real technical. And, but whenever I'm on top, I go to the crowd, keep them, keep them invested, keep them riled up. Cause that, that's really what feeds me. Um, Jake was really good at that. Uh, Terry Funk too is a guy I, uh, I guess you could say emulate a lot, kind of like that Southern like brawler, but technical also. Um, so to me, it's it's not really about showboating for me, but just putting the hate out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. For the crowd, for the crowd to eat up. So with Wildcat, obviously you guys get to, uh, get to experience some of the guys who have been around in the WWE circuit or even impact some of these, you know, mainstream North American, uh, North American scenes. Um, you know, guys like Stevie Richards, guys like, uh, Hurricane Helms, you know, 
I guess being around some of those guys, what's some of the big things that you've taken away from them? Man, I've just coming up in Wildcat, like I'm so lucky, so lucky. And we all have to be so grateful because I've been you know, in the ring with, with so many veterans, legends of the game. Um, I mean, I was in there with, with Tracy Smothers, who you know recently mm. uh, unfortunately passed away, uh, who was another huge influence uh, for me. Um, I also got to, I got to wrestle Billy Gunn. Um, and not only wrestle him, but also get to, you know, train with him at the school. And they, they did seminars, you know, like one-on-one work with a lot of the guys. And it's always small, intricate details, fine-tuning the small things that a lot of people don't pay attention to, how to tie up, how to put on a headlock correctly. Things that you've seen and or done a million times, but people do it incorrectly a lot. And so for me, it's having that kind of influence around the locker room all the time and having that feedback. Hey, here's what you did. It was okay. Here's how you make it great. And when, you, when it comes out of the mouth of, of a real veteran, it, it tends to stick. Oh, 100%. Anytime you could get the outside influence from somebody who's been around and been seasoned and been in the game that long. I mean, that's huge. Um, so you said you worked with Billy Gunn directly, which, you know, that was actually one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. And again, referencing AEW here, seeing him back in the mainstream with AEW has been cool. He's got his son who's uh, wrestling there. Um, so talk about, talk about working with Billy Gunn a little bit because um you know, he has been, I mean, when you look at his career, especially as a tag team performer, I mean, he's certainly been around the block. He's uh, obviously was part of uh, the New Age Outlaws, which is one of the best tag teams probably of all time. Um, you know, you had DX, arguably the best stable of all time. And then, of course, the... Uh, they did have a long run, and um, I don't know how remembered they are, but, of course, Billy and Chuck with he and Chuck yeah. Colombo um, <laughs> as the uh, two gay lovers, basically, with Rico. Um, so Billy Gunn's <laughs> been around for a long, long time. So getting to work with him must have been freaking amazing. So talk about uh, working with him and what some of the you know things he kind of helped you with. Uh, yeah, it was super cool working with him. And, and I mean, I remember him from the smoking guns. Oh, wow. I mean, a little older, you know. Um, and even just listening to him talk about his career and all the different things they did do. You know, he went from a cowboy to this, like, DX. Everyone identified them as kind of street gang 2000 sort of thing. And you know, he went on his own, did like the one Billy Gunn mm-hmm. and, you know, Billy and Chuck and all these things happened. And to him, you know, he always had an open mind and whatever was handed to him, uh, he was going to do a hundred percent. You know, a lot of people would have been really put off by doing like, like uh, a blatantly homosexual gimmick or having that kind of character. Um, but Billy Gunn was like, no, this is a great opportunity to try something new, try something different and see if I can, you know, make this something huge. And um, he did. <laughs> and I, I thought Billy and Chuck was a, a big deal. And that was a really bold step, I think you know, for the show to take, uh, also. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, I, I, that was, that was in the brink of 
I guess my prime watching days of WWE. Um, but yeah, I, I remember when they formed and you know how controversial that was. They actually did uh, daytime talk shows, if I'm not mistaken, to kind of promote that character um, as these two gay lovers, basically. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. going out in the public eye and this was before talking like you and I are right now. You know, we talked about this before we started recording. You know, that was before the days of breaking kayfabe, so to speak. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what that means, essentially breaking the fourth wall on wrestling because at the end of the day, it is an act. It is a show. And you're, you're telling a story in the ring with your character. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, with you, um, you know, going away from Billy Gunn, um, you know, Stevie Richards is obviously another big figure within Wildcat. Um, I, you know, I know Bob Holly's done some shows. Yeah, you know, I guess for you, um, what was one name that kind of got dropped on you in your time with uh, Wildcat thus far that you kind of thought, holy shit, like this is pretty dope uh, that I get to work with this person or at least be around this person? Because reverting back to when I was talking to uh, – uh, to Edgar and Stone, you know, one of the names he kind of dropped on me when I asked this question was Booker T. Um, mm-hmm. You know, him getting to kind of experience his promotion, which he's working in Texas now with uh, Reality of Wrestling. So I guess who's a big name that kind of got dropped on you where you were just kind of like, oh, holy shit, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it um, fell into my lap. I mean, day of the show, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, it was the Revolution Rumble last year. And uh, they said I was going to be working a little uh, program with the Haunted Talk Man. Nice. And so, uh, talk about old school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's a, real, a real veteran. And, uh, and in working that, you know, it was going to be part of the Rumble. Uh, but I also got to work with Rhino. Oh, and yeah. Growing up in the, in the 90s, I was a big ECW fan, big Rhino fan. Um, and that was really cool too. Just getting to it and seeing just how smooth and comfortable these guys work too was a super cool experience. Absolutely, man. Now with the with the Revolution Rumble, I mean, I, let me ask about that a little bit because I mean that's essentially y'all's version of uh, what the Royal Rumble is to WWE. Um, and you know, one of the things that uh, you know, as a fan, you kind of look forward to with big. Uh, battle royal matches like that is the element of surprise. Um, so I guess for you guys, like kind of talking from the backstage standpoint, are you all informed about every single person that's going to be in the match beforehand, or do they kind of maybe throw in one or two curveballs uh, as it's happening? There are surprises for everybody. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Not 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 just the crowd. Yeah. It, um. That was, I'd say that probably our best show that I was a part of. Uh, I have absolutely nothing but positive memories, you know, about that night. Um, Ernest the Cat Miller uh, was there, and they had the uh, the dancing competition. It was great. Yeah, dude, for sure. I mean, anytime you get some of these guys, I mean, I remember the Cat uh, WCW days. Um, didn't you? I'm trying to think. There was another name from WCW. I think I saw a pop up on one of y'all's cards. Was it Disco Inferno? 
Not in my time. No. Okay. I, I'm, oh man, it's leaving me, but I remember seeing one name from WCW and I just remember thinking, Oh, Holy shit. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, I think that's awesome. And, uh, you know, with, uh, with you, I guess, as far as your career is going, what's what's been one of your favorite moments of your career? You know, if you can kind of hone in on maybe one match, one moment, what's been kind of the high, the ultimate high for you thus far? Uh, I mean, the Rumble's up there. The Rumble's definitely up there, um, if not only just because of all the big names involved, um, but also... I'd say working Danny Flamingo, we had a mall show, which of course became infamous because yeah. PJ jumped off the balcony and all of a sudden everyone knew who we were, you know? So, uh, but that was, I feel maybe my best match that I've had. Awesome. Uh, I feel like there was a, we pulled a lot out of each other, kind of pulled the best out of each other. Um, similar attitudes and similar styles. And I guess I kind of didn't really see that coming. Um, so that was a, <clears throat> excuse me, a moment where I thought we could build off of that. You know what I mean? I thought that, you know, we could really do some cool things in the future. For sure, man. What's, um, you know, uh, as far as some of the in-ring work, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, I guess for you as, as a performer, what's been one of the hardest things to kind of grasp? Uh, what's been one of the most difficult challenges for you to overcome, uh, you know, either in the ring or on the mic um, as a performer? Um, mic work kind of came, I don't want to say it came easy for me, but I think it, it definitely came more natural than doing uh, professional wrestling in the ring because what you do in the ring is so unnatural yeah. you have to unlearn what you would naturally do and learn very unnatural movements um honestly to me it, it still comes down to basic basic fundamentals okay, a good snap bump to me is still kind of hard you know what i mean um uh that and i think sometimes fear of trying new things you know, bigger things. Uh, for a long time, I didn't ever want to go off the top rope and things like that, you know. Uh, I'm not uh, a big dude. You know, I, I don't look like Edron Stone. I wish I did. You know? <laughs> uh, ironically enough, that guy can fly as good as anybody else, even, even at his size. But, um, like, doing anything remotely high flying was always really scary for me. But... The hardest things, though, are the simplest things and, and the most important things. So just that's why we train all the time. You know, go over those basic fundamentals every day. Well, you see this and you hear this all the time that, you know, one of the cliches I think you said that I've heard more than one occasion um, through podcasts, through wrestlers, through anyone who has been involved in this industry, uh, and that is, taking the unnatural and making it the natural essentially um you know let's let's dive into that a little bit you know some of those fundamentals from just from a pure fundamental standpoint what's what's some of those things that you have to kind of train yourself to do um that you you really have to perfect to some degree in order to be safe in the ring 
I mean, you have to fall down and not catch yourself. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if you were in the grocery store or walking down the hallway, going to the bathroom, whatever, and you fell down, your natural impulse would be to throw your hands down first. Right. There, that way you don't get on your leg or your back, or your head or whatever. Um, but with us, we're constantly falling down, landing on our back, on our chest or whatever. Um, and you have to get it down pat, you know, because uh, you're going to do it a lot, a whole lot. And if you don't get it right, then, and, and that's how, you know, a lot of people have short careers because they're constantly, you know, taking bad falls. And, and over time that can lead to, um, you know, a lot more serious issues. Well, then I guess you throw in the, the element of complicated moves too, um, mm-hmm. which uh, just, Not me. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But uh, like, you know, one of the things, one of the stories I heard on a podcast maybe was uh, regarding AJ Styles with the Styles Clash, um, mm-hmm. his finishing move, which just to kind of describe that as best as I can, essentially, he sets him up like it's almost pile driver, but then jumps forward and they fall, you know, stomach first. And, you know, they, they, one of the things that I've I've heard about is with taking a bump in wrestling, your natural instinct is to bring the head forward. That's what you're supposed to do to prevent head trauma, hitting your head on the mat, all those things. Well, with this particular move, your your instinct is supposed to be put your head back because if you put your head forward, you're going to break your neck. Um, so you, when you start talking about those like intricate details of wrestling, it's, it's always been um, – I guess interesting to me, just kind of hearing and seeing the the training, the you know how to perfect everything. You know, going to you know, I think for me as a kid, one of the biggest eye openings to wrestling was Tough Enough series um, when they first brought that out. You know, watching and, and again, we're getting a condensed version of this into a thirty minute freaking program, so we're not getting the full effect of what this training is. But watching people just repeatedly throw themselves onto a piece of fucking wood, essentially, or running off the ropes, like all these things that just take a toll on your body, you know, what's uh, for you, how long did it take you to get used to taking these bumps repeatedly? Mm. Like, when did I get good at it, used to it? I mean, implying that I'm good at it now. Uh I'd say like a good six months before I could really go through all that and, and feel comfortable with it. I mean, even, even hitting the ropes and stuff, it takes time to, to build up uh, tolerance for that. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot harder than you think. A well, lot that, harder than you think. Well, and, that's what was one of the things that kind of I've, I've always remembered about, you know, watching tough enough as a kid was, you know, these people just from running off the ropes had, like severe bruising on their on their lower and upper back and i'm just like oh holy shit and you know for me as a i don't know young seven eight year old kid i'm like oh oh that's chains in there oh holy shit you know because when you watch it in in real time and on tv and stuff it looks so effortless but you know that's again comes with the the grind of wrestling so to speak so it, it becomes effortless when you get used to it yeah. And now, I mean, it, it doesn't bruise me, you know, because I do it all the time. Right. Um, so, 
You know, what's, uh, I, uh, for you, what's, what's been one of the most memorable, memorable spots you've had in a match, I guess, you know, what was kind of a, a big accomplishment for you as far as in ring goes, like just one particular spot that you were just like, Holy shit. Like this was great. That was awesome. I'm glad I did that. Um, cool move or moment. Either one, whichever, whatever comes to mind first, if you want to shoot both at me, go for it. Uh, I'll shoot both. Uh, the first was, uh, when I worked Tracy Smothers, uh, and and I loved Tracy so much as a wrestler, big fan. And, uh, I got him into the corner and before, you know, hitting him, I got to do his, uh, his mannerisms, you know, he would always do like the FBI thing and his little shimmy, you know, and then of course he reversed it and did the exact same thing back to me. And, uh, (laughs) The crowd loved it. Um, odd, memorable moves. Uh, definitely, I was in a tag team match. Uh, it was me and, of all people, Jace Valor. Not my best friend, you know, <laughs> uh, against uh, Buku Dao and Psycho Gato. And we were double teaming Boo, but he, he started coming back on us and he threw James into me, so I caught him. It with my arm, uh, but by the time I realized where I was, uh, Buku had hooked me and done a backflip over me and thrown me down, and I DDT'd my partner. Oh wow! Uh, and, and didn't mean to. So that was a uh, didn't didn't make me look cool, you know. But I, it's definitely memorable. <laughs> That's awesome. What's um, you know, uh, for you, what was the when was your first official match? Let's see. We had a show in Cornelia, Georgia. It was the first time that Wildcat had a show up there. Three years ago, four years. How how long have I been doing this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and that was my debut match. Okay. Right. And uh, after that, we had a show at Magnolia Community Services. And I was in a three-way match there. And that was the first time I wrestled a match as Chuck Devon. The first time the Chuck Devon was in front of a crowd was that show. Awesome. Um, so, uh, so first match, you get thrown into a three-way match. Uh, you know, that adds kind of a whole new element to it because, well, it's three people. You kind of got to work that differently than you would, you know, obviously a one-on-one. So, um uh, you know, for you, were you happy uh, it was a three-way match, or would you have preferred the the one v one route, or even maybe a tag team route? For me, you know, and again, it goes back to being grateful for anything you got. You know, I was a, I'm grateful to be on the show. It ain't about you know, just who I'm working, what match I'm in, what's happening. Um, grateful to have a job. <laughs> <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, also, for me, um, I think that first full year, I was in a bunch of three ways. But I never got beat. I, I never lost in three-way matches. And so people started calling me master the three-way because no one had ever pinned me or submitted me in a three-way match. Nice. I either won, I either won or I was the odd man out. Okay. Right? Um, so I kind of I got a, like a, that's the first time, I guess, a reputation got built up around me. And it wasn't until that, that x-ray show when I worked Tracy because Danny Flamingo was in that match too. And uh, Tracy 
than me. So that was the first time I lost a three-way match. And that's, I mean, that's got to be kind of a badge of honor, too, to take the first sure. pinfall from such a legend. Right. So, um, no, man, that's that's freaking awesome. Um, and I guess, you know, uh, for you, um, I, I guess what's kind of next, you know, what's the next big uh, goal you want to reach as, as a performer? Um. You know, we'll see what happens with wrestling in the coming year, <laughs> you know. So I'm not, I'm not trying to plan ahead with that too much. Um, you know, I've also been doing a lot of film work and stuff, uh, a lot of big things coming up with that. Um, but for me, it, it's Wildcat, Wildcat, Wildcat. You know, I, I do earnestly believe in this company. I think that we do have something special, something that other independent companies – and frankly, you know, professional companies too uh, don't have, you know, definitely modeled after that that old mid south style, like the old Southern Territory days. Uh, and I love it. I think we've got something really good. And I think once we can get back in front of a crowd, back to running shows consistently, where we can fill them up as much as we as much as we know that we can, we're gonna. We're gonna rise up. I mean, it's only gonna get better. Hell yeah! I, I awesome. earnestly believe that. That's awesome to hear. Um, and I know you all said y'all been doing some traveling around. Um, you know, uh, do y'all have any any intentions to come back to Georgia for any shows? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I'm in Atlanta all the time uh, these days. Uh, you know, working on something else. I don't know if Wildcat will be putting on shows in Georgia. Um, Wildcat wrestlers will probably be working yeah. in Georgia. So definitely um, keep a lookout there, you know, working in, you know, whatever promotions are, are in that area. Well, dude, and that's the, I guess that's the kind of cool thing too. I mean, it seems like Luke is, uh, uh, and by that, I mean, Luke Hawks, obviously for those listening, who is the, you know, main guy for Wildcat, he is the promoter for it. Um, you know, it seems like he's pretty liberal about letting talent, uh, kind of just run wherever, uh, just to not only help get their names out there, but also get Wildcat out there. So, um, I got, let's, let's dive into that a little bit, you know, talk about Luke and kind of the influence he's had with you and, what it's been like working for him and just Wildcat in general. Luke's a very, very honest person. Uh, and that's not always a nice thing, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, he, he pulls no punches and he always tells things, tells you how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't like it, but my dog's whining at me. <laughs> Um, it's okay. My cat's been going ape shit too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he knows how to help people develop and tells them what they need to work on uh, and how it can get better. And I think that his the way Wildcat is set up as a school and as a show is is the best that it's done in the United States. Um. It's very, again, like I, I'm going to probably you know, repeat a lot of things today, but 
going back to the fundamentals, the little things, fine tuning the little, little, little things, and making sure you do those right leads to success, it leads to a better show. So if you can get a card for people who all do that, you have a good show. Well, at the end of the day, I talked about this with- Yelling at me. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, I talked about this with Edge too. Um, And it it seems like you're echoing the same thing. So it's kind of obvious you guys come cut from the same cloth, so to speak. But one of the things I think people forget with wrestling, and maybe I'm beating a dead horse here, is it's similar to a UFC or a boxing. You have to kind of protect yourself at all times. If you're not protecting yourself, you know, I feel like it would be hard to trust you to get into a ring and perform because at the end of the day, you're also not protecting yourself. You're protecting the people you're working with too. You know, one slip up, one minor inkling of, you know, misreading something and, you know, someone could get seriously freaking hurt. And, you know, you see this happen all the time in, uh, in professional wrestling. So yeah, for sure. Big, uh, you know, he advocates, you know, fitness um, and, and health. And, and that's one thing that he's definitely helped me out with a lot. You know, if you look at a picture of me when I started Wildcat, a picture of me now, I'm a completely different person. You know, and I, I learned a lot of like, the way that I work out, the way I lift, a lot of my nutrition, a lot of that to him. You know, that's why he wants guys that look like Stone. Because you can get the ring of Stone and you know he can lift you. Mm-hmm. You know he can balance you. That's not a question because the guy's, you know, chiseled out of stone. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, he uh, he pushes everyone to do a lot better than they think they can do. Absolutely. Now, for you, um, you know, what's one of the best, uh, you know, storylines that you've sort of been a part of um, or one of the, you know, more creative storylines you've seen uh, just in general within Wildcat? In Wildcat? Hmm. <clears throat> I really like the uh, the tag team tournament for, for, for the championship. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I, I enjoyed how that that led into like the new formation of the new House of Harper and, and the consolidation of all the belts. I thought that was a a, a well woven story that that no one no one saw coming. That's awesome, man! You know, House of Harper that was uh, being front row and getting to see uh, uh, Har- his first. It's Chris Harper, correct? Handsome Hardbody Harper. Handsome Hardbody Harper. Yeah, him at ringside was definitely a treat. Being there within spitting distance of him, there was one of the one of the funniest stories I have is some lady he was throwing candy at him um, while he was at ringside, and he's of course just feeding into it, trolling her, you know letting her have it and at one point she was like taunting him with the candy and i just remember him taking a handful of it that was on the ground he just freaking hums it right back at her um before she finally went back to her seat and i'm just like dude jesus christ man only at only at indie shows can you get this kind of entertainment and it's great oh oh that's that's nothing uh, actually it was that first magnolia show i, I believe and that, that was my first match as chuck 
Uh, and, and if you don't know, uh, Magnolia Community Services is, was a, a center in, in New Orleans for adults with uh, developmental disabilities. Mm. And so we put on a show there. Smaller show for us. I think it only held like about 300 people. Um, but it was, you know, a cool experience, a way to give back uh, to the community. And as, man, and this might be the greatest thing that's ever happened in independent professional wrestling. In my heart, it definitely is. Um, but I can't remember what match it was, but, you know, you had Harper, Kojak Sly, and someone else were walking toward the back, and uh, security wasn't paying attention. <laughs> the guy... Uh, ran up behind Harper and dove on his back and got him in a chokehold. Oh my. Right, and everyone saw it. And I mean, wasn't a kid. This is a grown man. Jumping on him. And, and the guy whispers in Harper's ear and he said, you'll never make it out of here alive. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Everyone sprang to action and <laughs> dude got involved then. But that that is probably uh, the single greatest moment in independent professional wrestling. That's amazing. <laughs> well, uh, there, there there are pictures of it. I think there might be some on uh, definitely on Facebook and uh, okay. the Wildcat website. I'm not sure, but uh, that's insane. Look that's, around and uh, find out. It's, it's good. Well, that, and uh, you know, with that's got to be tough to police because that's the other thing. The show I went to at Butch Dewey, I mean, y'all got some rowdy freaking fans, and you could tell there's some regulars. Uh, there was a woman front row. I swear to God, this woman was the biggest Steve Anthony fan I've ever seen in my life. Um, oh, we know her, yeah. <laughs> so you know exactly who the hell I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, like, dude, she's just screaming the entire time. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, lady, I'm trying to watch the match. Shut up for two seconds. But, uh, no, man, it was fun. And, you know, going to kind of what you were talking about, I think one of the really awesome elements to uh, uh, to Wildcat is y'all's – the community y'all have within those with uh, special needs. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the Butch Dewey show, you know, there were a lot of people with – uh, the the shirts they they all had the same shirts um but y'all y'all do a lot of work with uh, special needs communities and um seeing all of all of them there uh, just kind of cheering cheering you guys on like that's that's freaking awesome to see um, that y'all have such a such a cult following within a community that I you know obviously um needs uplifting at times you know it gives them something to kind of be inspired by. So I think that's really awesome uh, work that you guys are doing in that regard. That's that, that was one of the, the great takeaways I had from my first and unfortunately only wildcat show thus far, but uh, that, no, man, that's fantastic. Well, I think that's something else about wildcat too, is that we do have diehard dedicated fans. We also have new fans every show also, and that we do have this, uh, a special connection to the local community. Um, and I think that we get a pretty diverse crowd too. If, um, you know, we get the more like, traditional Southern fans. Uh, I mean, we get a lot of punks in there too. You know, we get a lot of, you know, people from whatever counterculture scene uh, is around too. 
So it's, it's not just, we're not just catering to like one demographic or reaching out toward one group, hoping to get all that. It's like you put it out there to everybody and everyone comes. That's awesome. You know, with, uh, and I'm sure y'all saw that in spades, you know, I think we kind of touched on this, but, uh, yeah, you know, within the prior to COVID happening, there were some big things happening with you guys. I mean, um, the Ponch train center, y'all, y'all mm-hmm. were able to do that. That was revolution rumble, correct? It was. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, y'all got to do revolution rumble at the Ponch train center, which is a huge freaking venue. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's a huge deal. I mean, they have the, uh, or they used to have the um, high school uh, LHSA uh, wrestling state tournament there. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of high schools do their graduations there. They, there's a lot of things that go on at the Ponch Train Center. So being able to book that, you know, that was cool. And y'all had a lot of big names for the card there too. So, um, you know, I guess once things get regulated and you guys can kind of get back to business uh, in a more normal fashion, um, you know, is there anything that, uh, has been kind of sparked or anything as far as, uh, you know, big shows y'all have planned for once y'all can get back to normal or is it pretty much just all at a standstill right now? Um, I think we're, we're definitely, and of course we don't know when, um, any show will happen. You know, the commission has to meet okay it for everybody. Right. And then we can move from there. They haven't even met. So, I mean, uh, and I'm highly, highly doubt it's going to be like a January, February kind of thing. So we're looking at, at the very least, the middle of next year uh, before we have any live shows. But I think it'll probably be a swing for the fences, big show kind of thing. You know, I, I would love, love, be back in the Pontchartrain Center. I mean, I think everyone would like that. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that show that we had there last year was the last time that professional wrestling had been in that building. Yeah. The days of Mid-South. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I remember hearing about that because I remember when it got announced, um, a, bunch of, a bunch of local media outlets did coverage on that, talking about it and how huge of a deal it was especially for kenner um which Mm -hmm. you know you talked earlier about uh bringing in a new demographic i remember that was something uh the mayor of kenner uh benzon i believe had talked about was um you know there was it was bringing a new demographic of fans just from kenner alone uh by having that show at butch dewey which eventually led to the unveiling of y'all doing something at the ponch train center so it's awesome man that's it's good to see that, um, you know, especially for for a city that does have a rich history with wrestling. You know, I, I with my dad and some of the teachers I had uh, growing up who knew I was a big wrestling nut and uh, wrestling junkie, you know, they used to talk about the shows they'd go see in Chalmette. You know, New Orleans mm-hmm. used to be a very big and oh, uh, yeah. major wrestling scene in the oh, – yeah. 50s and 60s so um it's really great to see wildcat sort of uh bringing that back a little bit now you know unfortunately of course everything with covid had to happen but um right you know once things do get back to business man i i hope to see uh 
more big things from you guys and uh, more big things from, uh, from you um, as, as this kind of continues. So um, I guess uh, before we wrap up, um, let, uh, let's go ahead and uh, end this with uh, uh, a more fun question. I guess was okay. there ever a time in the ring you took a bump and you were just like, Shit, why the hell am I doing this? Mm, not too many, to be honest with you. I, I love taking bumps. I love working, man. I, I've, you know, every other wrestler's going to tell you, I've wanted to do this since I was five. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, and, and, and it took me a while to get in. You know, I was, I like, when I got out of school, I taught school. <laughs> I was a teacher. I did social work for years. Um, you know, I didn't start really trying to become a professional wrestler until I was like 33, 34, you know? Um, so no, by the time I got in there, started taking bumps, even the worst ones. Nah. You were just like, man, nah, this I, is better than anything I've done. Yeah. I still love it. Dude, that's awesome, man. I, I guess for you, you know, is there any plans, uh, to retire anytime soon or is this train just going to keep on rolling? Yeah, I mean, yeah, my body hurts and everything, but hell, I ain't dead yet, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. Um, no, I, I have no no plan on retiring anytime soon. Um, depending on what is soon, right? But, <laughs> not in the next five years. Let me, let me say that. Perfect, man. Well, that was awesome. I appreciate you uh, coming on to the pod here. And uh, is there anything you want to share before we wrap up here? Um, so let everyone know, keep, keep your eyes open for Wildcat sports and entertainment. Um, it's been a rough year for everybody. Uh, but look, we're, we're still grinding. We're still putting in the work and we've got things in place. I mean, you're familiar with a lot of the Wildcat guys, you know, um, Edwin Stone, of course, you're familiar with Nathan Bradley, Buku Dow, Luke and PJ Hawks. The wild card, Jay Spade, Danny Flamingo, the Salvation Sensation. I mean, we got, <laughs> we've still got everybody here. We've got a bunch of young guys who are training every day, and they're looking good. Um, I think the future is really bright. That's good, wild man. Sports, and, and if I know that everyone's hungry to go to a show, just keep waiting. We'll be back. Don't worry about that. Perfect, man. And uh, again, Chuck, I really appreciate you coming on for those listening. That was uh, my man, Chuck Devine of Wildcat Sports. And as always, honor the huddle. Add a little flavor to your kitchen with 985 products. 985 products delivers various flavors that hits the taste buds just right, making you smile and wanting a tad bit more. Their products are created with a touch of bayou and a dash of culture. The 985 sauce is the food lover's choice for flavor and spice. Or add a dash of the 985 Cajun allspice on your red beans and rice, gumbo, chicken, or soup, and you can fall in love all over again. In addition to their signature sauce and seasoning, wind down with some of their vintage wines like Kerry's Merlot and Kerry's Sauvignon. Join Kerry's Wine Club for $1.95 per year. A membership with Carrie's Wine Club includes five bottles per year, Carrie's Wine Club merch, invitations to wine sampling events, exclusive updates, and a 10% discount on all purchases. 
When you purchase from 985 products, use the code HOTARDHUDDLE, all caps, all one word, for a 10% discount on any of their select products. Visit 985products.com. That is the number, 985products.com. And again, receive 10% off on your purchase with the code HOTARDHUDDLE, all caps, all one word. That is 985products.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.